Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Welcome to the first of our Being Bloom podcast series. In this series, what we're trying to do is to give expression to our values and our commitments that we hold as a community. Coming out of COVID, coming into a new season for the church and for society, uh, we thought we'd address some of the things that we've been holding collectively as we've gone through the past year. And in the first three-part series that we're doing now, we'll be talking about depression lived out within a faith community. And with us today, we have Laurie Marcelin, who is a licensed clinical therapist in Colorado. She's worked uh, with client after client, helping them navigate their own journey through COVID, uh, how they're experiencing the loss, the frustration, the anxiety, the depression that comes with everything that we've been through collectively as a society in the last year. So we're so happy to have you with us. And um, what we're going to do is just go through these three podcasts, and those will serve as a foundation for a group experience and a, a teaching space that's to come in the next few weeks. So Lori, it's good to have you with us. Yeah, no, thank you. I think this is an exactly right time mm-hmm. for the church to gather around and really start supporting the community um, yeah. and the community at large with these areas that we need to start stepping into supporting and loving one another through through this journey we've all had together in the yeah. last year. And so um, I'm really glad to be a part of it. One thing I wanted to say that I think about how you said early on in COVID, like COVID has become where the waterline dropped. Mm. And I've used this with so many clients. And when the waterline dropped, I think you do it more with rocks and rivers. I do it more with a ship. That, not that I know anything about ships, but that it's all those cracks and those yeah. barnacles and those places of rust. Yeah. COVID just exposed it within ourselves, within our families, in our homes, in our churches. And I just know that this is a really unique time for the body of Christ to come around mm-hmm. and to really take in not only grace, and also just that healing space that we can be for one another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and we've said so many times that it's given us permission and, um, and reason to repent mm-hmm. and to lament because none of these things that are exposed, both in the church and in society, are new. What I think has happened to a lot of people who come into my office and I think into the worship space Um, in many churches is they're shocked and fearful about what is this that I'm experiencing? I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to have it together. I'm supposed to be the pastor. I'm supposed to be the therapist. I'm supposed to be the mom or the dad. Mm -hmm. And there's no supposed tos right now. Like we have to be gentle and compassionate Mm -hmm. in this space. So yeah, I'm just, I, I think that's why I'm so glad that we get to do this is to just give an allowance and a compassionate space to say, we've all been through a lot. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. Thank you. And we have also with us Seth. Yes. Who's uh, who's in our other podcast. Seth is the, the one who edits and produces and, and everything and makes it sound pretty uh, for the Guided Liturgy podcast. And so um, he's going to be uh, serving in that role and also as a pastor from Bloom. Mm-hmm. 
in this podcast. And, um, and as someone who's depressed. And like as someone just... who's depressed. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I think um, as we've talked about doing this for a few months, uh, it just never felt right. Mm. It felt like, yes, people have been mad and frustrated and angry and sad and alone and all the things that we've been in the past mm -hmm. year. It just, and so we wanted to address it, but it didn't feel, we didn't feel release. But here we are in Easter. I was telling Seth earlier this week that Easter is the first season that we've had in a long time, you know, season of the church that is calling us to be in a, in a markedly different place than we may tend to be ourselves. So we had Advent, you know, back in the fall, that longing for things to be made new. Then we had Epiphany, which is really just looking back on Christmas and Advent. And then we had Lent, and all of it was really beautiful. And it called us to introspection, to prayer, to confession, to lament. And now we're in Easter, which calls us into the reality of new life and resurrection. And it has been the first season that we've been through in a long time where you just feel the dissonance between where people are and where the church is calling us to be. Mm -hmm. And so it just felt like this is the right time to talk about and to give voice to and to validate where it is that people have been and, and probably where they still are. Mm -hmm. And it's throughout the whole year. I mean, I've heard people say, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I mean, I think, Seth, how many times have we been like, right before the live stream, we ask how people are doing. These are people that are playing in the band and, and preaching and reading, and it's just, mm -hmm. I'm depressed this week. Things are hard, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a, a, a place where we were honest, and no one could do anything about it or fix it, but that freedom that we had in that space to say, this is hard or I haven't talked to my family or my friends in weeks because of political divisions or, yeah. you know, ideological differences. We're experiencing financial insecurity. There's just this general sense of fear in the past year. And so we've heard people probably in our own community, uh, we've heard this on the news. We've heard people talk about it on social media, this idea of depression. And Lori, I'd just like to, to ask you as the, as a therapist in the room, mm. what is it that we mean when we say depression? Mm. And there's kind of, we know there's clinical depression and then there's just this general sense of, I feel not myself. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could give some words to, to what that condition is and what that feeling is. Mm -hmm. I really want to differentiate. You know, sometimes we go from zero to depression because it's a language we have access to and it gives... Mm -hmm. It seems to be the language that we have. And for the purposes, you know, of this, I think it'd be important to just acknowledge there is that clinical depression. And we really want to continue to emphasize, you know, you really want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and going mm -hmm. to therapists, that you're not alone, especially we know clinical depression is something very specific that, you know, it needs to last two weeks or longer, and it has a very clear criteria, mm -hmm. right? Like that sense of, 
isolation, loss of pleasure, um, uh, most of the day feeling sad and empty and hopeless, and, and you have to really um, demonstrate like over a period of time. And that's certainly a, one place. We're also recognizing already, um, Seth and I were talking about already it's coming out that the research around a COVID-based kind of depression, mm -hmm. um, and I would probably call it 2020, 2021 depression because I think it's, yes, COVID, it's also an overwhelming sense of the inescapability of what we have gone through in the mm. last year, um, politically, culturally, right, as well as our yeah. own health and safety. So um, I kind of want to differentiate between the, you know, that clinical depression and um, and just also just that sense of a depressive kind of state that we're all in right now. Um, mm -hmm. And that might be, I don't know, might be too nuanced, but I think it really helps for us just to check in and that um, we don't want to go on WebMD and we don't want to use this podcast to self-diagnose, like, oh, I must be depressed because I have this. Yeah. This is more of a recognition space and just to know that um, it's really important if this is long-lasting and you're really people are giving you feedback and you're having a sense of, of a help of, of a hopelessness mm. that you really do need to go to therapy and really do need to get some help outside of friends and family to really be held up in that. For sure. Mm -hmm. I love that you're saying that now yeah. is that, um, as we, as a staff and a leadership think about the community moving forward mm -hmm. into the next season that we have together. The, the place of prayer is how do we best care for and love and encourage mm -hmm. and hold um, the community and, and each other. Mm -hmm. And so Bloom, if you are in a place that feels like this is, this is clinical, this feels hopeless, this feels like I want my life to end, I, I need release from this, then that's part of the work for you is to, is to reach out and um, is specifically to either call or email at staff at bloom.church and let us know and let us know if you need help finding a therapist, um, locating help because we're definitely here for that. But you also mentioned just this general feeling of being off. Mm -hmm. So what, if you could speak more to that. What I'd love to just kind of offer as a way to think about our nervous systems, which sounds really <laughs> incredibly nerdy right now, but <laughs> I think it can be actually really helpful for us to understand how we're created and built like there's this beautiful design about us and what we're mm. witnessing and experiencing right now is a response of our nervous system to what we've all are experiencing whether we're talking about it or recognize it or or not the body mm -hmm. can't lie right and so we have this amazing capacity to keep ourselves safe and believe it or not depression or that sense of being disconnected is a way for survival, but we don't want to live in survival, right? That's, we want to be in a space of 
connection, and thriving. And I think we're going to talk a lot about connection as one of the key elements of kind of working through. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I just want to offer like to think about your nervous system as a ladder. If you can kind of think of like a nine rung ladder, there's this amazing woman called Deb Dana. Um, I call her the earth mother. She's just <laughs> got this whole very, I don't know, amazing presence, but she talks about this really interesting thing about the polyvagal system um, that's within us. So it starts at the top of our head and it goes down the base of our spine and it wraps around our gut because our gut is always involved in our nervous system and our emotional state. Some of us may know that, like we just have that like... So um, is this like an actual thing? Yeah. Like an actual biological thing or is this yes. a, like an energy no it's not it's even though she's like an earth mother she's a she's legit it is a biological neurological part of our nervous system mm-hmm. that they are studying now that has everything to do with connection but also how we kind of go through the world and see if it's safe and or if it's not safe and so we share it with all mammals um, which is kind of interesting. But my best way to describe it, because there is no way I could ex- even draw it or explain it, I just think of it as a ladder. And you just think of it kind of as a nine-rung ladder. Um, and the top third is this part where there's a connection, right? There's this space where I feel safe in the world, the world around me feels safe. It's where it's that cognitive space where we can just create and think, have conversation, feel safe. Mm. And we like that place. And some of us haven't been there for a long time in this last year. Mm. We've kind of gotten weary of having to problem solve. And so, so as we drop down kind of that second third of the ladder, that's that sympathetic nervous system. And a lot of people know the fight flight Right. So that's another way we call it anxiety, or I like to call it activation. It's that adrenaline rush. It's that heart pounding, more shallow breath, because we either are going to fight, lean into something and attack it, be it a problem or, you know, the guy driving an I-25 that's going too Mm -hmm. fast or whatever, we're going to get aggressive or we run away. And our nervous system, we don't decide to do that. We just do it. And we get activated. And so what happens, though, is we start to believe, I'm not safe. i got to either fight this or run away. Mm-hmm. And the world around me isn't that safe. And I think about last year going into, like, the grocery store when there was no food on the shelves, right? Yeah. The reality of yeah. that. Or seeing a particular person's social media um, activity and reading some of the stuff that really activates us. Some of us got really fighty (laughs) and started to tweet our way back to our (laughs) calm. And some of us just couldn't handle it. And, and that's, we didn't have a choice. So that's our nervous system. Mm. But we had a year of that, of the world, not knowing if it was safe. We didn't, we had a year of just fight flight, our amygdala, that part of us that's just that back of the brain stuff. And so we were feeling anxious at anything. So do you think that was 
real. Like there's times that I, you know, I, when I'm by myself or, you know, just driving in the car, I'm going, was this really a big deal or am I just mm. making it a big deal? I don't know if y'all felt that way. Mm. I just had that thought like just now as we were talking, I was like, are we making too big of a deal out of this? Mm. But no, I mean, what I've been saying from the beginning is like, this is a global traumatic event yeah. that literally no one can escape from. Mm-hmm. Like we're all in it right now. And so it is a big deal. I think it is a big deal. And I think we're seeing the effects of it now. Mm-hmm after a whole year of, of being isolated and in pain and scared, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think it is a big deal. I think it's something that we should be talking about and mm-hmm. thinking about and acting on right now. But you think about all that previous generations have gone through and humanity's gone through. And that's the times I, I'm like, surely this isn't that hard. But then... You have a friend that his kind of thing this whole time has been that COVID is not real. We should ignore it. And but you know he, I've never seen him so angry for for like a year. Mm-hmm. And so even for those who would say this isn't a big deal, it's the reaction to those who do think it's a big deal, and it causes this anger and um, you know perhaps a sense of being controlled by something outside of them. You know I do have to think it is a big deal. And partly because we're just not used to this. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, is that a thing? Because mm-hmm. if we were humans that were used to war and, and, to, and to famine and to disease, then maybe this wouldn't be a big deal, but we're really not. Like, right. You, you know, so maybe our capacity to hold it has been stretched. We're tapped out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think about when you talk about your friend, there's very little neutrality right now. Mm-hmm. People are on one end or the other, which in and of itself is evidence of that sympathetic nervous system of reactivity. Oh, the, the fight or flight. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm either really angry or I'm running away and pretending like it's not, right? And there's yeah. just this, an anxiety, interestingly enough, this activation. Think about herd mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm activated and I start running as a gazelle, right? So I'm going <laughs> to go with the metaphor of a mm-hmm. gazelle here, but it's the same thing. If I activate, you, I'm helping the herd get safe. That's yeah, what mm-hmm. it's meant to be. With humans, I'm activated. Now we're, it's contagious. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when people walk into a room and they're agitated and they're in that fight mode everyone starts feeding off of that, right? And, mm-hmm. and until we get back up to that top of the ladder, that space where we can just calm and be connected, it's yeah. completely disconnected in that space, but it's very contagious. And I think about what we've gone through, it's incredibly contagious. I mean, you just image after image of how people have gone mm-hmm. one extreme or the other. Yeah. And, and you see that, like in your professional Oh, life. And And I think before we go down to that bottom part of our, of our nervous system, one of the unique things that is happening right now and has happened that contributes to this really either activated or completely disconnected way for our emotional selves collectively and individually is never before 
have we been called to be both victim in a crisis and rescuer? Hmm. Typically, when there's a catastrophe, you know, Red Cross comes in, and the rescuers are people that are well-fed, and they're taken care of, and they go to the hotel room, and, they're, and then they come in, and they help, yeah. and they you know, connect with people, rescue them, and then they leave. Hmm. We have been called in many capacities to be both sufferer and rescuer. And so we haven't had a relief oftentimes because we're being called for over a year now to be both rescuer and survivor. Yeah. You know, my Janie and I were talking about we're like in the wrong profession for this because pastor and therapist. Mm -hmm. And I think you just did the therapist. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, one thing I think it started to do in, in COVID for me in therapy, it almost, yeah. it was hard to be the rescuer and the survivor, but um, I started to invalidate what we were going through as a family. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't as hard as this client or this client. I think that caught up with me in the fall. For sure, it caught up with me. Mm -hmm. And the, chur the church has been interesting because sometimes I feel like we run this, like, I don't know, 1950s kids show that's being filmed in a studio. <laughs> and it's like we... Like we're outside the door smoking and drinking and then we come in and put on this mask of like, yeah. everything's okay, be at peace. And then it's over. It's just like such a weird, a weird thing. But one thing that ha in, in all of our unfaithfulness and messiness and the spirit of God showed up in those times and those services, like in ways that I have never experienced, even when no one was qualified to lead and no one could find it within themselves to, to be what we're supposed to be as, as the body of Christ. Like, those times were so sweet and powerful. And it, it, would, it would be like this breath in an otherwise crazy week. I don't know. So I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm, I'm just looking back on all that we've been through and the consistency of the presence and the peace of Christ that we experienced was, you can't, it's intangible. And what I'm appreciating, what you're saying, and that is from the kind of the nervous system approach to what you just described sure. is your experience. Coming in activated or even dis disconnected, depressed, when we connect, and I believe with the divine mm -hmm. and with one another, right, that we come back to the top of the ladder, so to speak. Mm. And that peace yeah. then, right, that really doesn't even make sense because I can come in activated, I show up, take a breath, and breath is one of the most powerful tools that we can use to come back to the top of the ladder and also to come back to the presence of Christ mm. and one another within the service. Yeah, I love that. Mm. So you experienced that? Oh, that's why I run to bloom. <laughs> <laughs> Therapists run to bloom. <laughs> that's true.
we'll be uh, talking about our values and commitments. But I, I, when you're talking, I, I'm like, that is that value of beauty. Mm-hmm. There's something outside of us that can inspire us and, and draw us into that place of peace and shared life, that commitment. And, you know, depression has to look different, lived out in a community of faith in Christ. You know, it has to look different. And that's the hope that it would. So um, yeah, I think we'll cover that in, yeah. the, in, the, in the last episode in this series. But yeah. just, to, just to get a taste of it, of like depression doesn't have the final say in the world, doesn't have the final say in our state of being. Right. And that's why I wanted, I, I'm appreciating that even as you were describing the service, coming in, recognizing, coming back up into that connected, calm space. We don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. I do want to drop down to the bottom of the ladder because that's the depressive part. Yeah. Neuroscientists call it the dorsal vagal space. That's when you think about survival. It's a really emotional space to even talk about. It's where we drop into when fight or flight will not work. And we know that we're facing inescapable attack or death, our systems automatically drop into that dorsal vagal space. Mm. That's depression. That's complete disconnection where it's, I, I'm not safe. It is over. And, you know, I live out in the country and I watch, you know, cats and coyotes take on bunnies, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see the bunny just droop in the mouth of an animal. That's Mm -hmm. emotionally what we experience in our dorsal vagal is that droop. We have a chemical release that just prepares us so that it just doesn't hurt. But how we experience that is that hopelessness. And, you know, many people will say it feels like I'm sleeping with a boulder on top of me or a heavy wet blanket. And that's that numbing, Mm -hmm. disconnected part that is the physiology of depression, and that's that lower rung of the ladder um, in our own system. That's heavy. <laughs> it's very heavy. And I think about what hit us for many of us was, one, I think about last March when all this started, and we were all, as a culture, pretty activated, right? We went into that mm-hmm. activation. Mm-hmm. You know, we shopped, we made plans, we, you know, there were free concerts all the time. People were in action. That's what we mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. We made bread, too much bread, all, <laughs> just, just to have a sense of we can do this. And we were good for a few months. Yeah. And then it kept going mm-hmm. and going and cultural elements started to happen images, people used more time on social media, and it became harder and harder to see an end. Mm -hmm. And that might connect to the experience of, this is an ending. We, our nervous systems need to know this is going to be over. If we know it's over, we can rally. When When we can't see an end to it, that's when we can drop into that space. It's Mm -hmm. not a place we have to stay, right? Our nervous system is responding. And as we start connecting with people or it's, you know, it sounds heavy 
and I'm feeling it in my body even as we're talking about mm. it. Um, and yet what we can do through so many different ways of breathing or connecting or movement or getting outside, that reconnection, we can move back up and out of that dorsal space. Of course, I want to go back again to acknowledge, and when we are in a clinically depressed space, we need more support than just yeah. breathing. And mm -hmm. I don't want to, I really want to differentiate that to really bring a compassionate um, acknowledgement that people are in very different places throughout the day sometimes. I appreciate you speaking to the movement that's possible. Mm-hmm because I, I've sensed that in myself and in others, that um, there's, a lot, there's a movement up and down. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing is really helpful to me because I think it validates um, what, where we've been. And all, I mean, I feel like we've, my ladder is like, you know, there's no paint. I've like <laughs> worn down the rungs. I feel like I've climbed up that ladder. Right. Um, several times a day sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that it's interesting because I wonder if the fact that we can climb back out, if that has a tendency to invalidate those times that we were at the bottom. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, that, and even as a community, I remember in March, we had this Zoom room that we had at Bloom and it was packed. We had yoga and prayer and just hangouts and happy hour and Bible study. And, and it was almost like frenetic. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the summer, you know, we had this, we were over this way too massive for us food distribution program. And that kind of, I think kept us going longer mm -hmm. than it should have longer than we would have without it. And fall, Advent, I mean, I felt like we were scraped. And it wasn't, the weird thing, it wasn't hopeless. It was still, there was beauty embedded in all of it, but it felt dead. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a scary time for me as a pastor. Mm. I think um, for our team, because that's how everyone came in. And I, I think that now we may be kind of coming out of it, but... I guess my question is like, what do you do with those times, you know, as a community, what do we do with those times that we were down in the bottom mm -hmm. of the ladder and what's needed for us as we move forward, as we reconvene, as we start to see these things that gave us life come back, do we address those times? Do we talk about those times? Do we just kind of go, let's never open that door again? <laughs> uh, like. What do you see as, as a path to healing? What comes to mind, I'm appreciating what you said about recognition and acknowledging. Mm -hmm. I think some of us just want to forget this whole thing. It's like a very bad family vacation. Like, let's just, don't even unpack, just throw the suitcases <laughs> away, pretend we didn't go. Like, we just don't want to remember this. But I think about, you know, almost every book in the Old Testament, right? Remember what happened, right? Mm -hmm. There's this really important 
part of remembering. And some of us need to lament. Mm. And lament isn't about staying stuck. It's putting voice and recognition and honoring. By honoring what happened, we start to begin to recognize that we're safe again and that there's safety, there's indicators of safety growing, and then we can come back up. So mm. I think as a, as a community, we start with ourselves and be honest. Like, where am I right now? We all know that ladder. Like, we know what it feels like in our body. And to be okay with that, we don't have to put on, you know, you said the kitty show <laughs> um, <laughs> performance. And I think about how almost we should have a stack of masks at the front door before we walk into church, that we mm -hmm. just stick that face on because this is, this is what's Jesus acceptable, you mm -hmm. know? And what if we were able to come in as we are mm -hmm. into the presence of Christ and into the presence of one another because it's connection the yeah. same people that drew the polyvagal system will tell you over and over, it's connection, eye to eye, face to face, breath to breath, like it's that experience. And if we can acknowledge that where we're at and come in as we are, we can connect. We can't connect if we're not connected to ourselves. Mm -hmm. To where we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not for me to look to you and say, oh, I'm so sad, rescue me. That's not, you know, we wouldn't do that, right? But what we can do is this is where I'm at and just and be with that and, and accept that and still connect with people and seek to connect with people even within a gathering. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what's been the most difficult thing for most people during this past 12 months, just not being able to do that and being told specifically you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot be around other people because mm -hmm. that is where the virus spreads, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of this weird double-sided coin for the way I experienced it was I, I really wanted to be connected with other people, but I also was literally never alone because I have two kids at home. I have right. a, wife, a wife at home <laughs> and a roommate also and a cat. And so we're like, <laughs> I am never, ever alone. Like, whereas other people, maybe that was the case for them. Like they live alone. And so they were just alone a lot. I was like really looking for connection with people outside of my family unit. I love my family, but I was really missing that connection piece with my community while also being completely exhausted because I'm never alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if there are people out there who who had a similar experience. And um, I mean, just knowing what it did to my soul and how hard it was to get out of those moments of feeling like I'm so isolated and yet I need to be alone, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, I wonder, have, have you had any experience with that in, in your clients or anything like that? Is that something that you've experienced with 
anyone? What comes up for me is that lonely in a crowd feeling. Mm. And even that sense of, you know, some of us who are super introverts, some of this was really lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Things slowed down, it got quiet, it was wonderful. And some people who are introverts and we're constantly surrounded by people. There was this sense of like activation and then just that inescapable odd loneliness because it wasn't the same. It became that we're stuck in the house almost feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like trapped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of clients that I've worked with and also talking with other therapists, social distancing became emotional distancing. Mm -hmm. And we forgot that we can still, you know, talk and maintain eye contact and really connect with other people in other kinds of ways. And I think fall and winter was just this, oh great, now we can't go outside feeling and we can't leave the crowded house or connect with people. Yeah. I mean, the amount of affairs and the rise of pornography addiction and you know, anything that is this kind of distortion of, of what we were wanting, which was connection and relationship, that's just gone up. It's a testament to our need to connect, mm-hmm. that, that we know somewhere in us that the pathway out of that dark dorsal vagal mm-hmm. place is attachment, healthy, life-giving attachment, which is just really you know, what we're created for is to be securely attached Mm -hmm. to not only one another, but God, that creative force that holds us and speaks to us and draws us into something more beautiful. I mean, I think you're right, Seth. It it was hard to do alone. And I suppose there's going to be a good amount of grace given in this community because I, I think there's some hurt feelings mm. because people depended on others to be with them in that bottom space mm. and they were alone. Yeah. Because everyone was in that bottom space. Because everyone was. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's hard to have the energy to, to meet someone and, and get out of your own space like that to get, mm. to go to someone else's. Mm. And in that space, we're not even aware of other people. Right, right. Right, we disconnect for our own survival. It's like taking a long swim Mm -hmm. and getting stuck and expecting someone else who's exhausted to help. We've been a bunch of people in a very deep end of the pool and trying to get to the edge. And that was, I'm Mm -hmm. really resonating with that whole sense of sadness and hurt feelings as we come out of that to realize like, where were people or where were you? Yeah. And it really was, I don't even know where I was. Yeah. I, I was. I was dog paddling in the same deep pool with you. I just didn't know. That's part of survival. Yeah. It's simply, I just got to get through this when we're in that, in that dorsal vagal space. We weren't aware of other people, but we were deeply aware when other people weren't there with us. Yes. And I've heard that over and over and over throughout the whole thing that 
people are hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the misnomer is to say COVID proved to me who loves me and who doesn't. Mm. And yeah. I don't mm. think that's the place to go. Mm-mm. I think it's having a more Christ-filled vision of the whole thing and, and to offer grace to one another to say everyone was hurting, everyone was feeling lost and alone. And it is only by grace that we'll come together and, re- and repair those connections, those attachments, mm-hmm. the relationships, mm-hmm. and the energy, really, that's between us as a community. I think that we do have to have a, a good amount of grace. Or we go into a place of, it's just dark in and of itself. You know, I was left alone. No one checked on me. And that may be true, and that's really, really hard. But um, I think it's a lie to assume that COVID showed us who we really are to each other. I mean, I, I I wonder if COVID, what it's really done is just given us a lot of expectations that are just completely unmet. Mm. Where, you know, I think back to March of 2020 and, you know, there were times when we were like, oh, it's just going to be like a month of lockdown (laughs) or maybe it was started off as like two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, it's fine. It'll just be a month. And like, so like around every bend of this pandemic, there's been just so many things that we can put our hope in or mm-hmm. that we can distract ourselves from the what's going on. And I think part of that is relationships. Like we expect our friends to reach out to us while not, not reaching out to our friends. Yeah. But yeah. for some reason we're more hurt by this expectation that's not met of mm-hmm. our friends not reaching out to us than the fact that we also are in this exact same place. So it's almost a lack of empathy where I think COVID is really, it's really shown us, this whole pandemic has really shown us a need for empathy and a need for connection. And I I would hope that it's also brought a sense of self-examination and not just a, a blaming of others or a scapegoating of others, but it's really just about like, where we are in, as humans in this world. Mm-hmm. What is our humanness and how are we using it positively? Mm. But I do think it's just unmet expectations. I think that's probably the one thing for me specifically that has been the hardest because it's about control, right? It's about like, I, want, I need to know when this is going to be over so that I can move on with my life. And when, when there's literally no way for us to know that, we still try to put these parameters around it. And it, mm-hmm. all it does is bring grief and mm-hmm. hurt. I think something that comes to my mind as you were talking, Seth, is one of the ways that this nervous system is designed is we go from dorsal and the next, we don't just jump up to connection and peace of mind to the top of the ladder. We have to go through that activation space again. Mm-hmm. I'll go back to my terrible country story about the bunnies. When they're dropped, you'll see them just shake. And that's that activation, that sympathetic nervous system to activate. And then they uh-huh. flee, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go back and then they're chomping on grass and calm and 
and just fine. And as you were describing, just this concern about as people come out of this kind of collective dorsal vagal space, this darkness, this disconnection, the first piece is going to be this fight-flight space a little bit, a little activation. Some of us are going to come back to that connected space and go to thought and creativity of what's happening next. And some of us are going to stay there for a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, based on our backgrounds, based on the trauma that we've had in our lives. So we're all going to also, another part of this grace that we need to give one another is we're all going to be coming out of this bunker existence in very different places. And we have to maintain that invitational nature mm -hmm. as a community as well as within our own families and within our own selves, right? We just mm -hmm. have to keep that invitation. Dave, you've been talking a lot about how the table, there's no exclusion. You come when you're ready. It's such a beautiful picture. When you're ready, how you are, it's you're invited. And I think it's that same kind of idea, even in our emotional health, it's when you're ready, connect. When you're ready, um, come as you are, and I'm okay now. I can, I can be with you and just, you know, connect. Or I'm really needing something. And my hope is, kind of at our growth space after this, is that we start becoming really intentional about mm -hmm. how we connect with ourselves, with one another, in that invitational space. Yeah, it, it really is just grace upon grace mm. as we come back mm -hmm. together. And, and I'm sure that we'll be in parasympathetic and then something will trigger and we'll, we'll be reminded mm -hmm. of that place and have a tendency to drop back down. And I, I think we're going to be, it's going to be a journey. But I think it's going to show us in a deeper manner, in a more beautiful manner, mm -hmm. what it truly means to have shared life as the body of Christ. And... I know that we're going to talk about that in the next two episodes. I'd like for you to now, if you can just, um, as we've tried to unpack and try to normalize and try to validate the sense of depression as, as much as we can in a podcast, um, could you just um, speak to our community directly and give us some ways in which we can care for ourselves and care for others with whom we journey. You know, as we may be in this place of, of depression or coming out of it or, or maybe perhaps figuring out for the first time that, that this is where we've been, mm -hmm. um, could you just uh, speak to that place of care? Mm. The particular kind of therapy I use, um, I knew I was drawn to it because the core value is undoing aloneness. Mm. And I think the first offering I would give to the community is you're not alone. Depression's lie says this is forever and you're alone and it's a lie. Mm. You're not alone. And I think holding on to that as well as as a community that if we could come in with a really clear commitment, maybe a refreshed commitment of how might I, as I walk into this experience, 
undo my own aloneness? And then how might I offer, if I'm in that place, to undo someone else's aloneness? Mm. I think for individuals, you know, my three most important um, ideas might be to start with compassion. Mm. You know, don't rush to get this thing done. Sometimes, you know, vaccinations or clean test results or, you know, whatever we might be, we want to rush to get back to how things were. We're not going to get back to exactly how things were before. Mm. We're a different community. We're a different nation. We're a different globe, politically, economically, with social justice and the injustices, we can't yeah. undo this. This We have to move forward from this. Mm-hmm. So instead of rushing to really take time and have compassion for the things we did and didn't do during mm-hmm. this time, for ourselves and for people that we love, I would just encourage everyone, how might you connect within yourself and with other people? Not texting not social media, not gaming, but eye to eye, six feet apart is fine. However that can look, look for opportunities to connect. Even if it's Mm. a barista over your mask, asking for a cappuccino, connect human to human and look Mm -hmm. into their eyes. That is going to help each other's nervous system Mm -hmm. and get help. If you are in a place where everything I'm saying right now is infuriating you or frustrating you yeah. because you it sounds trite or too easy, that's a signal to really get some help that will um, be with someone who is trained and will meet you where you are and begin to help you go through the journey of coming back to yourself. Um, and as a community or as someone who knows someone who might be watching someone suffer or hurt or all those things we've talked about, I think just the big thing right now is just to slow down and connect. I'm just going to keep using that word. Just slow down. So as we bring this episode to a close, if we know someone that is going through this, what would you say to that tendency in us that wants to fix it? Mm. I think about... Um, Job's friends, and not because this is a church-based podcast, but because that scenario of the other sitting, sure, but trying to fix and throw tropes and advice, and my worst two words I can think of are just and should. Um, If you would just do this or you should do this, and Job's friends approach is not only not helpful, it actually pushes people down deeper and darker. Because Mm -hmm. I had someone say, if someone had offered me a million dollars to take a shower this week, I would have not taken the money. Mm -hmm. So to say, just don't give advice, but to be in the presence by just literally standing or sitting Mm -hmm. And just let someone know that you're there and then wait. And if they have a request, great. But sometimes even the words, 
what do you need, feels like a heavy, heavy blanket, and it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So just to breathe and be grounded, which just means can you feel your feet beneath you and just be with that person and let them know you're not alone, sometimes that's enough. And then just follow their lead. When they're ready to ask for help, they will. Mm -hmm. So just wait and be really present with them. It's great. And Bloom, again, if you um, need help, please do email staff at bloom.church or call our main line and leave a message. There's also an abundance of depression hotlines um, out there for you to reach out to as well. As we close this episode, thank you, Lori. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to invite us to take a moment to breathe to deeply breathe in and out, to invite the peace of Christ to saturate our minds, our nervous system, our very being. And know that you are loved. Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Mm -hmm.